Good morning. Welcome to the Shi Parasha study, Parasha Ba'ira. We have a very interesting statement by Rashi and Hameha Midrash in this week's Parasha when we talk about the lineage of Moshe and Aaron. And we're going to see how Rashi presents it based off the Drash. We're going to see how the Ibn Ezra presents it based off the Peshat. And we'll see why exactly there is an advantage to having an explanation of the Dirash over the Peshat, what the Peshat is lacking that the Dirash has. So I think this is a very nice case study for this example. Rashi comments, Perekvav, Pasukavhe, we're talking about the lineage of Moshe and Aharon, and it says, El Azad ben Aharon, Lakahlo bibeno puti el lo leisha. He married the daughters from the daughters of Putiel. She had many daughters. He took one of them. And she gave birth to Pinhas. And the Torah, and she comments and he says, Well, who is Beno Putiel? So we play off this word Putiel. Know how this idea plays out. Number one, she's from the lineage of Yitro who fattened cows or uh, bulls for Avodah Zarah, right? To, as Avodah Zarah offerings, right? Because Yitro was Kohen Midian, and therefore he was fattening the cows. That's the word pitim, so in order to fatten the cow to make it a nice sacrifice. So that's one. And then also from Zerah Yosef, she was also from the lineage of Yosef as well, she pitpit who was Mifatpet, who was Mizalzel, who, who, you know, turned away his Yetzahara. He said to his Yetzahara, thank you very much. And he didn't give it any credence. That's the word pit pit, right? Like it was something small. And obviously here we're referring to the Yetzahara of Yosef to sleep with the wife of Potiphar. And he overcame that as well. Now, if we pause for a second, this Midrash infers that at some point in time, the lineage of Yitro and the lineage of Yosef come into contact and they marry, they have a daughter, and then the son of Aharon, Al-Azar HaKohen, goes and marries and he has Pinhas. Assumedly, this is all happening after Yitzhak Mitzrayim when Yitro joins the Jewish people, but it seems to be Yitro's first interaction is from from Moshe Rabbeinu. He joins the Jewish people when that Har Sinai, after they left Egypt. And then there's a marriage that happens between somebody from Yitro's family, somebody from Yosef's family, which is fine. And then they have a child, and then a daughter, many daughters, apparently. And Azar marries one of those daughters and then has Pinhas, which, by the way, would mean if Ma'asir Pinhas happens at the end of the story of of in the desert at the end of 40 years, that would mean that Pinhas can't be more than 20 years old or so, maybe 25 years old, because he would have to be born after this union between Yosef and Yitro. That would that's when his mother was born, and then his mother had to grow up. Let's say she got she had him at 15, even so he was max 25 years old or something like that. And this seems to be uh, fly in the face of the famous Midrash that why was it Pinhas 
a Kohen because he was born beforehand, he was born in Egypt, as this person complies. But okay, well, maybe we'll, we'll deal with that a little bit later. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Ibn Ezra says, what, what, what are you giving me this nonsense? Firstly, he says like this. Uh, let's slow down. It says, in order to give Kavod to Pinhas, therefore we mentioned the wife of El Azad. Why does Pinhas deserve Kavod? Is the Sakhar that Pinhas got rewarded when he killed Zimri 40 years later? And therefore he's somebody Hajub, and therefore we mention his mother because she's someone who deserves kavod for giving birth to Pinhas. So in order to say, oh, even your mother is mentioned in the Torah, that's how hashuv you are. Okay. And Al-Kain with Chesvara says, Ibn Ezra, makes sense to say, Putiel Hayah, Ibn Israel, right? He's a Jew, don't give me this whole thing, this family of Yitro, they're getting married, by the time Pinhas is by the time the wife of El Azad gives birth to Pinhas, who knows how long that takes? It sounds like they're in Egypt. Pinhas is born. So, where did El Azad find the wife from? He found the wife from Benisrael. Don't give me this whole story that we're talking about in the future in the desert that El Azad is getting married to a union of a daughter of the union of Yosef and Yitro, and then he's having Pinhas. That's too much. Right, and then he goes, Listen, we don't know the reason why his name is Putiel. Mishael is one of the names mentioned above. I don't know why he's called Mishael, so I don't know why he's called Putiel. What do I know? Obviously, he does that for the rhyme, Putiel, Mishael, but obviously, all the names. I don't know why Aaron is called Aaron. Well, all of a sudden, obviously, Ibn Ezra is responding to, to the Midrash. Well, all of a sudden, here you found the name, sounded funny, you had to give it a reason. You, you give me a reason for the name of Aaron. You don't have. So, what do you have to say? You don't, we don't have reasons. We don't have reasons. What's this need to find a reason for the name of this guy, Putiel? Obviously, Ibn Ezra knows the Midrash. He knew the commentary of Rashi already. And oftentimes he was a little bit angry that, that she said a lot of these things because what are we doing here? Why are we pretending? And then he says, Even Moshe Rabbeinu, we wouldn't have known why his name is called Moshe if not for the fact that we know he is called such. So we look at the Ibn Ezra. We're inclined to say this makes a lot of sense, you know, Rashi is putting us in Midrash and makes us feel uncomfortable and might not contradict the different Midrash that we know of. And here, the Ibn Ezra is coming and giving him something easy. Don't be Duresh Shemot. What are you doing? Uh, we don't know why. We don't know any names. Take it simple. I was clearly Jewish. The daughters of Putiel married her and call it a day. Very nice. So the question is like this, and this is what we need to analyze. What advantage does the Drash has what does it add to us? And right away, there seems to be something obvious here. There seems to be, number one, you're introducing character. This is the easy answer, but I think there's much more depth to it. We'll start with this. Putiel, as if he's a famous guy. He married one of the daughters of Putiel. I have no idea who Putiel is. Now, when you say Mishael, you're introducing Mishael because he's going to come later in the Torah, and therefore it's important to introduce him. Okay, fine, he's going to die, right? I mean, he's going to take out the bodies of Nadav Avihu, 
Mishael El Safan, okay, so it makes sense to introduce him. Here you're talking about Putiel as if he's a known quantity. I don't know who he is. And therefore, the Ramban already comments and says you have two options. Either it's a name that was supposed to be Doresh, or you have to say he's a famous guy in its time. Okay, so say that even as I would say he's a famous guy in his time, but don't be Doresh the shame. However, there's something else here. We can't we can't kind of disappear from the fact that when we trace Pinhas, his mother, back to Yitro and Yosef, Yitro because of Abu Zarah, Yosef because of Yitzhahara Gilui Arayot, that when we realize what are the rabbis saying, right? Wait a minute. What was Pinhas standing up for 40 years at the end of 40 years in the desert? What's he standing up for when he kills Zimri and Kuzbi? And the answer is these two things. He's standing up because they're worshiping Baal Pe'or, and he's standing up because they're giving into the Yitzhahara. So these two factors is exactly what Pinhas is fighting against. Come to rabbis and tell us, look, where did he get it from? It's in his blood from his, his history. His mother is, is a union. His grandparents from his mother's sides are from Yitro and from Yosef. And therefore, he has that in his blood. So we're reading into the story. And notice that even Ezra also read into the story that we're talking about Pinhas and his mother because of what's going to happen. And here the rabbis are giving us an extra element that directly identifying the story that happens with the parental lineage of Pinhas. And why are they doing that? What's this need to talk about Pinhas and his future that's going to happen? If you look in the Pesukim, it's very odd what's happening. We trace the family of Levi. And we talk about Levi. Levi had three sons, Gerashon, Mekahat, Murari, Bnei Gerashon, Levni, Vishimai. Fine. Bnei Kehat, we have four sons for Kehat, and Mabzah Harun, Uziel, and Bnei Murari, Mahli, Mushi. So we trace Levi, three sons, and their grandchildren. Okay, very good. Then we go into the family of Kehat and into Kehat's children, right? The grandchildren and who they had, because we need to get to Mushi and Aharon. So therefore, we start in Pasukah, Amram marries his aunt Yochavid, which is interesting. Moshe Rabbeinu was born from what a union that will become f- forbidden to Am Yisrael later on. And he has, he, he, he gives birth to Aaron, Moshe. Okay, fine, very good. Then we get to Bnei Tzad, Korah, Bnei Vezichri, obviously Korah we're going to see later on. Bnei Uziel, Mishael, Ve'el Safan, Vesitri. Like we said, we're going to see these characters also later on. They're going to be the ones who are taking out Nadav Avihu. Okay, and then we go, and so we got great-grandchildren of Levi from the family of Keha only. Amram, uh, uh, Gershon, and Mirari, and that grandchildren, or just their children. But Keha, we go to Keha's grandchildren, and obviously the answer is because we want to get to Moshe Rabbeinu. Fine, makes sense. But then we do something interesting. And this is someone who we're going to be introduced to, by the way. Elisheva, uh, 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 the daughter of Aminadab, the sister of Nahshon. We're going to meet Nahshon ben Aminadab. He's the Nasi of the tribe of Yehuda. So it makes sense that Torah is giving us who this person is. And she gives birth to Okay. Then we go to Uvne Korah. 
So Aharon, we don't mention the children of Moshe. We mention the children of Aharon, the great-grandchildren from the tribe of Levi. Okay, fine. Okay, it could work because they're going to say they're going to be the Kohanim later. Moshe's children don't have a position amongst the Amisel, so this could work. It's not problematic. Interesting, we mentioned the children of Korah. Clearly, this becomes significant later on in the story of Korah when the Torah tells us, They don't die. They disagree with their father's rebellion against Moshe and Aharon, which is a fascinating story. Okay, fine. So we mentioned them as well, that they're going to be play significant roles in the rebellion. And then finally, we get to the most interesting Pesukim. So we got great-grandchildren, we got great-grandchildren of Kehat, great-great-grandchildren of Levi, right? Again, we got Levi, Kehat, Amram, Aharon, and then Aharon's children. And now all of a sudden, we have a sixth generation that we don't see by anybody else, Al-Azar bin Aharon. So we're skipping that, we're skipping Avihu, we're going to Al-Azar bin Aharon, which is interesting because I don't talk about who, who the wife of Korah was. Why do I need to who had a seal of El Kanan BSF? Why do I need to talk about his wife? And again, like we said, we don't know who Benot Putiel was. That tale of Lord Pinahas, only Pinahas, that was the only child that she had, maybe. And then we sum it up. Meaning the Torah is interested in talking about the lineage of Pinhas at this point in time specifically. Why? Because it's clear, it's foreshadowing the story that's going to come. The story that's going to come 40 years of the Jewish people in the Midbar, when Pinhas is going to kill Zimri and Kozbi. But notice what we gain here. Not, not just because it's random kavod of Pinhas to talk about his mother, who I don't know who she is, but rather, according to the Midrash, it becomes we're talking to you about the character of Pinhas. Who is Pinhas? What's he going to do? What's he going to accomplish? Where does that come from? It doesn't come in a vacuum. He's not just a Levi, but he's also coming from the descendants of Yitro and Yosef, people who moved away from Abu Dazara, who moved away from Gilur Arayot, and therefore he has that ability to overcome the challenges that he's going to face, and specifically him who's going to kill Kozbi and Zimri, who are committing the dual act of Abu Dazar, as opposed to any other of the Levi'im because of his unique lineage. It doesn't come from a vacuum, and that's what the Torah is telling us here. At no other time will it go back to the lineage of Pinhas and the children of El Azad. And notice how odd it is. It's telling us just about El Azad, ignoring Nadaba Avihu. Here the Torah is foreshadowing. It's speaking to stories that will appear much later in the Torah, the rebellion of Korah and the actions of Pinhas, and it's foreshadowing what's happening. It's Sefer Shemot speaking, speaking to events in Sefer Bimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimim
that not all the times can Azad and the family of Levim, as great as they were, couldn't give to Pinhas. And I think it's a very powerful message that this Midrash has for us. And Shabbat Shalom. Have a good week, and hopefully we'll continue next week with Parashat Boh.